Hello everyone and welcome to the Virtually Redundant Podcast, a light-hearted podcast that is sometimes tech, but mostly tangents about left-field topics that we found on the internet. On today's show, we're going to talk about robotics. I forgot the other topics, but we're going to plow ahead anyway. My name is Connor, and today I'm joined by Darren and Daniel. How was your week, lads? Pretty good. I actually found, found something very interesting. I found the most useless sentence in the English language. Do tell us more. Fair city sneak peek. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it on YouTube, and for who is, cannot wait for Fair City that they have to watch a sneak peek? Honestly, I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I think for context, for any of our non-Irish listeners, could you explain what Fair City is, Daniel? Fair City is an Irish soap. I mean, I don't want to give many more information because I don't want to hurt our listeners. You know, it's 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 so bad. Like, no offense to the quote actors end quote, but it's just terrible acting, terrible, terrible stories, just terrible. I mean, that's absolutely terrible. Like, I there's no other word that I can think of other than terrible. So why do you watch it every week then, Daniel? I, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I can top that rant. Personally, this week, I managed to get into being Microsoft Edge beta with the new chatbot. I've just been spending the entire week just talking to it about socks and throwing in socks and everywhere I can just to see how it can handle the confusion. And surprisingly, it made a very good murder mystery about a sock. So I think it's holding up pretty well. Did you ask about socks and showers? Actually, that's a good point. I really should. <laughs> and what's its opinion on socks and showers? I, really, I would really like to know what the common language structure comes out with here about socks and showers. I think I'll, I'll be kicked out of the beta then. But yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot and see. <laughs> How was your week, Connor? My week was pretty good. A little bit less random Korean, mostly people TV shows. A bit more, you know, watching a bit of Formula One this week. So Drive to Survive is out, which everyone watches. You know, it's just a lot of rich people getting angry over racing cars. And yeah, a bit less dramatic than last week's show for definite. Yeah, we, we yeah, I, I totally watch Drive to Survive. Can't, can't get enough of that surviving driving. Don't forget the two. There's two of them, apparently. <laughs> Uh, they're they're on season five now, Daniel. Jesus, keep up, like, come on. <laughs> okay, wait, sorry. What is Drive to Survive? So it's kind of like a fly in the wall documentary about the Formula One industry. So Formula One for anyone who has been living under a rock, and apologies to anyone who's offended by that who lives under a rock. Formula One is a type of motor racing where they drive really fast cars, involves a lot of money and uh, a lot of brats as well. Yeah, they race cars really fast and, you know, spend way too much money on things that could be better spent elsewhere. Yeah, I don't know anything about any type of sports, even especially Formula One. So you may teach us someday, Connor. Yeah, I mean, you could start with the muscly men and then move on to driving. I think that's probably the the progression we should go with. You know, I, I could see a future YouTube channel for you guys, you know, where we're just bringing you to different sporting events and I would honestly hate that. Like I, I've I've never been into sports in any way or fashion. Yeah, same. I I I, I watch football, and I, I'm ashamed to admit I don't even know when people say, "Oh, it's offside." I'm like, seems like it's on the pitch. It's, how is that? Like when they go off off the pitches, and yeah, and people just look at me like I'm an idiot because I am an idiot. But still, I just can't get I can't get into sports. I literally blank out. Okay, and on that note, let's move on.
Well, say, lads, do you know what I've been thinking about recently? And it comes from some personal experience, and that's robotics. I remember when I was young, and we've seen all you know these cool films out there. You know, you see the likes of the Terminator, and it's like you know in the year two thousand and seven, and they have all these cool robotics and that kind of thing. And now that we're in you know twenty twenty three, which is supposedly the future, and you know the state of the robotics industry, it's not quite where we want it. You know. You see delivery robots that drive around the place. You have other robots that you, they can wave at people, but they're not very intelligent at all. Personally, I've worked on the Pepper robot. I don't know, have any, have any of you ever seen the Pepper robot or come across it? Uh, no, not on my end, at least. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen it before, but only like on YouTube and like videos and stuff like that. So I can pretty much handle my heart and haven't had some training on it, say that most of those videos are faked. So the Pepper robot is not very good at language detection at all. It's definitely, you know, it's very, it's like a very basic dialogue flow built into it. And you can do a few things with it, but it's quite limited in what it can do. And I had to laugh because in the example where we got one in, where I was working at the time, initially some people at the company thought because I had robotic arms that, oh, it might be able to take things out of boxes and give them to people. And, you know, the arms are just for show. They just flail about, you know, you you try and animate them with kind of keyframes, essentially, almost like it's stop motion. So you literally move the arm a tiny bit at a time, snapshot that in the software and do it again. So it's literally like doing stop motion. So that when someone comes along and engages in a conversation, it basically plays out the animation. And it just got me thinking, you know, We've seen all these cool films, you know, you've your likes your Blade Runner with the androids, and then we're finally at the future, and it's like, yeah, it's, we've got a stop motion robot that keeps saying, "Sorry, I can't understand that. Can you say that again?" What's what's your experience with robotics, guys? Personally, um, I've got like a few experiences with, robo- with robotics. First one is, do you know those kind of vacuum cleaners, where they're like robotic vacuum cleaners, and yeah, it was. It was actually really useful. It's completely useless when you're trying to like climb like two inches of floor. So if you have like a rug or a carpet or something like that in the middle of your floor, it would genuinely struggle. But in terms of like scanning and doing its job, I think that's kind of where I would see robotics be like single purpose use, maybe a set of single purpose, like a set of uses rather than like this, you know, like you mentioned, Blade Runner or iRobot or, you know, whatever other apocalyptic scenario we were looking at and a good example of that would be like in this popular pizza restaurant chain over here in the uk they started like implementing these robotic waiters so it's basically like a a dalek type thing from doctor who with some like shelves and it would know the floor plan of the the restaurant and then it would bring your your pizza or your pasta and it's like oh the future is now you can get your pasta delivered to your to your table uh what's that oh you want you want blade runner uh no sorry you can get pasta oh you raised you raised a good point about delivery robots and i remember seeing another one a company released a number of years ago and it was a food delivery robot but every time they show a video of it, it's like always in an idyllic, you know, Californian campus or street and everything is immaculate and clean. Could you imagine sending that thing down the keys of Dublin? <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Yeah, w- one of the ones that I've seen um, I, 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 in America, they have these robots that are meant to go around the, the shop. And it was a very funny picture because the robot basically crashed into everything and knocked it down and spilled it everywhere. And the, the, the staff had to clean it up. It, it keeps doing that. So they had to just pack it away. It was just awful. <laughs> so, Connor, you actually raised a very good point um, when you mentioned that Dublin thing. So does anyone remember Hitchbot a couple of years back? No, so I can't say anything. No, I can't recall. So Hitchbot was a hitchhiking robot. And what they did was they built this robot that basically wanted to hitchhike to different places. So they put it at the side of the road. And it was done in Canada. And it went all the way across Canada. Perfect. Then they put it in the Netherlands. Got around the Netherlands. Perfect. They put it in um, Germany. Got around Germany. Perfect. They got to America to go from Boston to San Francisco. It got to Philadelphia and then was basically assassinated or murdered. And I, I distinctly remember from when it happened, and this is actually in the Wikipedia page, and this is how grim it was, what happened to the robot. I'll, and I'll quote from Wikipedia, the head was never found. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I think that's probably the state of play that robotics is going to play in the future. If it does become like more public widespread, you're just going to see like random robotic heads just like lying in alleyways and stuff like that. So what you're saying is in orderly, you know, peace loving countries, you know, places like Germany, you know, where the trains run on time, places like Japan, where the trains run on time, Canada, where in general they're quite friendly. Your know, robotics will be fine and it's going to advance. But in any countries like the US or Ireland or places like that, people are just going to destroy or steal the robots or, you know, demand ransom notes for them. Who knows? I think I'd be worried that when the robot finally gets to the other side of the country, it would be like demanding demanding more money or something like that, a fair, way, a fair wage or something like that. That's where the uprising will happen. As Connor, as Connor mentioned, when it comes to like robotics or like in, like smart intelligence or anything like that with AI, it's, it's like even the simple stuff, you know, when you can't do it right, like the, the prime example would be the shopping centers, you know, the or sorry, supermarkets like Tesco and stuff that have to, you know, self-checkout and like, you know, please place your item on the wagon area. And it's like, I've, I've placed it 20 times. Please just give me my avocados, man. Please note, I do not like avocados. Uh, please wait for a shop assistant to help you. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so painful. It is it's like, please just let me buy my food and go. I did this so I don't have to deal with people. And now you want me to deal, call a, a, a cashier over? No, man. I'll do without my beard. I think... In addition to that, it's like the voice recognition is just not there yet for a lot of technologies. Even with at home, I use Google Home everywhere. Like everything is hooked up. And if a robot had kind of that level of voice recognition, I'd actually be worried because like putting my daughter to bed, I'd be like, um, oh, you know, play white noise. And they'd be like playing Despacito. And I'm like, no, no, my daughter's trying to sleep. Please do not play Despacito. Thank you very much. Or it just doesn't listen to me at all. I think the the apocalypse of the robot uprising is not going to be like robots killing us. It's just robots just not doing anything. It's like a strike, I guess. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just going to be a, mi- a missing semicolon and everything just shuts down and all the banks shut down and we'll go back to the Stone Age because, you know, missing semicolon somewhere. Someone said the wrong thing and it infects everything and the whole internet just goes down for one missing, one bug in the code, you know? I read a funny comic where they said that oh, the robot uprising actually won't be so bad because the robots will use machine learning. And the largest data set that they see is that the majority of wars are fought with uh, swords. So they'll just like use swords to, to take over the world and we'll just use guns and we'll win. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> one thing is um uh, like I, I was actually like in my infancy in the IT industry was that I seen like jobs advertise, you know, robotic processing for automation. And I was like, oh man, ro- robotics, how awesome. And that's just a fancy word for like, you know, managing software robots like bots and chatbots and automation and workflows and stuff. And when I found that out, you know, I was very depressed, very depressed. Now, when you think of robotics, as Connor mentioned at the start of this, you think of like iRobot and, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, as the, you know, so what is it, the T-200, the T-300, something? T, T in number anyway, you know, Terminator coming along, but, you know, not not not, not just automation, you know, Jenkins' job going, you know. <laughs> That's not robotics, you know. Maybe the failures of robotics can be blamed on places like all the scams on Kickstarter and places like that and Indiegogo, which there are numerous, Do you, just hypothetically speaking, you know, maybe people have lost the enthusiasm for robotics because people keep posting oh look at our cool robot that's really creepy and doesn't do a whole lot and behaves like a puppet you know it's totally real maybe the sheer volume over the last eight years of robotics that have apparently gone up for funding and then never being delivered has just kind of killed enthusiasm for consumer robotics maybe yeah i also think it's it's when you look in that like the latest robotic news, it's like, oh, this robot can now like pick up a plasterboard or it can walk upstairs. You're like, ooh, the future is now. Yeah. We're so there. It, it's still a long way off. Like we're still quite basic in what robotics can actually do right now. Like we've advanced a long way in the past 20 years. It's, it's nowhere, I guess, near the caliber of what a human can do. Yeah, like I, 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 I kind of going back to Connor's point, I think I agree 100% in terms of, I think a lot of people have, lost out in terms of all the kickstarters that are just absolutely terrible robotics like and i think a lot of people are disappointed in what they're expecting because they're there to market and say sell something and they're just like they make it look so cool like they're running on like a single like a ball that's like you know moving around you know like the future like you know it's like a wally thing and it's just it's just an android tablet not just an android tablet it's a knockoff android tablet that's you press the button on it and it takes like a half an hour for it to respond. And a lot of them, they just really nice, you know how to make a video, a really nice looking video, but you invest in it and it's nowhere near that kind of stuff. Like, as you mentioned before, it needs to be a perfect environment. Like everyone's house needs to not have any kind of like elevation in the floor or anything. <laughs> Otherwise, the robot's stuck in that room forever. This robot is stuck in that room playing Despacito for 12 hours. <laughs> oh god at least it was right on the white noise front though you know <laughs> but do, do you remember that um actually robot uh ido 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 is it ido or ido it's whatever you want it to be <laughs> it was a, basically as a really like it made it look really cool in the video and actually like it raised like eight hundred thousand and but it's just, it's just an Android tablet that's just terrible. Like, you know, it's just, you know, it's not even, they didn't even buy a decent Samsung Android tablet. You know, it's just one they got on AliExpress, you know, and it was like you know, 512 megabit RAM on it. The touchscreen is just non-responsive, as I mentioned before. You were talking a moment about, a moment ago about robots that aren't good at navigating, you know, height differences. And I can actually think of one which did get rolled out in many companies. Now, it wasn't, strictly speaking, a proper robot. It was essentially an iPad on a giant stick with wheels. And the idea was someone would remote into the iPad and drive it around to pretend to be there virtually. So in the marketing videos, they show up being all slick and driving around and, oh, when's our next meeting? 
your next meeting today is and yeah all this carry on as they're driving around in reality haven't seen that thing you know it was completely the latency on the driving was really bad you'd have someone walking down a hallway with it and it'd just drive into a wall <laughs> things like that because there was a bit of a delay i did see one someone drive one off a set of stairs as well and nearly broke the thing as well so maybe maybe marketing's partly to blame i don't know you actually hit something on the head for me there Maybe the future is not like this weird dystopian, oh, Blade Runner, who's a machine, who isn't, or or Terminator, or an uprising, and we all have to fight valiantly to... Maybe the dystopian future with robots is literally like six robots in a room in a meeting that's really like boring talking about <laughs> their tax revenues for the year, where like everyone at home just like logging in, and then one person logging in is like, why is my robot in a closet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much faith of this uh, uh, robotics because I've worked in a few places before and big, like big multinationals, big buildings where like, you know, each room, each meeting room has like an iPad outside or a t- tablet and it never works. It never goddamn works. Like there's like eight, eight, eight people waiting to go in a meeting room and there's like eight buttons at the same time and everyone's just standing there and then you're just, you're trying to add in this smart robot then going around like, and everyone's running after it going, come back here, you fucking motherfucker. Like I don't have much faith in it. We can't, we can't manage these companies. They can't manage these kind of conference, easy conference systems and stuff like that. They're not going to manage a robot moving around. All right, so so with that, we've we've probably harped on too much about robots. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back after this sound of water pouring into a glass. <laughs> so I was thinking recently, I, I seen a headline, and it's about gaming news in general, but... It just got me thinking, and the headline was, you know, something like Beyond Good and Evil 2 is now the longest in development game in history. And I was thinking back, you know, there are some notorious examples, obviously, from the past. This game is in development since 2007 or something crazy, which is over 15 years, which is a bit crazy when you think about it. And it just sounds like it's, it's not going anywhere or doing anything. For anyone who is unfamiliar with the term development hell, by the way, development hell is where you know a project is a bit aimless, doesn't have a clear, clear direction or end goal or finish. You know, it just keeps getting developed and redone and reiterated. And it, yeah, it's generally a car crash when it does release. So on that, are there any development hell games that ever turned out good, maybe even for the wrong reasons? Why are there so many projects in development hell? Yeah, I think one of the things you mentioned of is like the no clear direction and stuff like that. I think, uh, and feature creep is another thing. So I think a lot of the stuff is kind of like when they're doing the sequence for games, like, oh, we're going to do this and this. And the, the, you always see it when they initially announce the game. They always boast about the features first rather than like what's what's in place. And they go, oh, this game is going to have dynamic this. It's going to have ray tracing. It's going to be like open world and 100 hours of content and like no loading screens. And, and then ultimately like when they realize how, how much it's involved even though they're like qualified de- like devs and they've made the previous games that were a gold hit they kind of just come out and say oh like you know uh, it, it, it's their kind of peter molyneux approach of it if you know what i mean where he kind of advertises everything first and says how much great the game is going to be but it, 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 it didn't even tell the devs yeah i think that's a feature the feature creep is definitely a perfect kind of summarization of development hell 
I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. We're probably going to get some emails with people saying, oh, you're wrong. But Star Citizen is a game where, you know, it was done through Kickstarter. So far, like in the life cycle, it's raised over like $500 million. But the game is never going to live up to expectations now because they promised every, they basically prom- promised a functional universe or a functional galaxy where you can do anything. And it, it's probably never going to kind of reach that expectation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because it, it's like duke nukem is a prime example of of what's happening the people who developed it from what i read in in like developing report and stuff like that have been saying he kept changing it he, he kept moving the goalpost he wasn't very happy with the the progress of the game and he kept he kept changing what the engine and one of the things is once you start a game try not to change the engine that's a reset button for 90 percent of what you have already there and uh, it pushes back stuff by year, years and years and years. So definitely, definitely, it's something that you need to have a concrete a goal in place. And if you if you have time at the end, a good example would be that I like the story of his black and white. It, it, they had goals and they had time at the end where the and they put in multiplayer. I think it was a two week before the game was released. They they got multiplayer in and it was just kind of like a nice add on because he had the game done in a nice time frame and they they were a- available to do it. So do you think it's one of the big problems is you have these people who nearly become personalities at these companies and, you know, they, they go out and, you know, the people prepping them are like, for God's sake, stick to the script. Here's the features we have, you know, advertise that. And then he goes out on stage and he goes, this acorn can grow into a tree. And then everyone else back <laughs> at the office is just like, oh, for fuck's sake, not again. <laughs> This this dog, you will feel sorry for it when it comes in raining. It's like, no man, everyone's <laughs> gonna kick that dog and mess around with it and see what happens with the dog. So to provide context to everyone, they're talking about Peter Molyneux in the Fable series. For Fable One, he mentioned that you could plant an acorn and watch it grow. I don't remember any acorns. There were no acorns in the game. I don't I did not plant any acorns. And yeah, for Fable Two, they were like, Oh, there's this dog and you're gonna love the dog. You're gonna kick the dog. You're gonna like Set it on fire. You, you don't care about the dog. It's a dog. Yeah, the, the chicken chaser. I remember the chicken chaser. Those games annoy me when they, when you're like a hero and they say, oh, you're a chicken chaser or what do you want, Outlander? I just have to murder them. I'm sorry. I have to. It's just a, in, the, in the game, I have to murder them all. I saved your, I saved your village. I'm not a chicken chaser. Go away. Yeah, it reminds me of Mor- the Elder Scrolls Morrowind, where they keep calling you Outlander or using like derogatory terms for you. And you're just like, but I've saved you. I've saved lots of people. I've-. You just end up just wanting to kill everyone. As someone, and just to clarify, just in case, I am someone who actually, I do love that game, but I do know where Darren's coming from. And there are lines of text when you complete the game and you're the hero. It goes, thank you for saving us, this, that, that. And then you click on like the next item, which happens line of text maybe to purchase something from a shop for example and then it goes what do you want outlander you just praise me for being the hero (laughs) (laughs) we'll go back to the the development hell one obviously the biggest example is definitely duke nukem like that's the one that was in so many different teams and stuff like that and when when it finally came out it was just terrible do you i do know that there is a project from the 2001 source code that was released and people are, I think it was 2001 during the, like, uh, the Half-Life 2. It was basically going to compete against Half-Life 2 at one point. It was 
looked or Half Life One. Can't remember, but definitely what they're doing is this: there's a, peop- a set of people who got the source code of what the demo showed at E3, and it was very bare game. So when they said like it was ninety percent complete, I think it was just the engine that was complete. A lot of stuff around it, and the content was nowhere near it. So they actually are finishing it up now. So there is a project at the moment finishing up the original Duke Nukem Forever. Um, I think a game I for me that is personally what I would identify if you describe development hell that people kind of always forget about is where is my Half-Life episode three? Seriously, where is it? it? They said they were working on it. I know the writer left, but they said they were working on it. It's supposed to be episodic so we can release it quicker. Is it fucked? I heard, I think I've seen something recently where apparently they had like a build in 2015 that was shown internally and they were like, oh, this is brilliant. This is what it should be. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to cancel that again. And I don't know. Yeah, they they just seem to be one of those companies who just have no scope anymore. You know, it's like they just start projects and then end them. You know, they're a bit like Google, really, of the game industry. (laughs) They're afraid of the number three. Where's my Team Fortress tree? Where's my Portal tree? Where's my Left 4 Dead tree? Where's my Half-Life tree? Where's my Half-Life episode tree? Gabe doesn't like tree. No. Maybe he went to a fortune teller when he was young and he was told, you know, when he releases a game with the number three, that'll be his last day on earth or something. Who knows? <laughs> One of the things is, I think, is also the the level of it. Once it once it reaches a certain point, the hype will never live up to it. And, and I think a lot of people are afraid, a lot of developers are afraid of it because when you do release it, it just won't be as good. Unless, unless they do something absolutely revolutionary for Half-Life 3, I bet when it, whenever it does get released, if it does ever get released, it will just not live up to the hype and it'll be the worst rated Half-Life. And on that, just because we have a member of our group who went to university in the area, does anyone remember there was supposed to be this MMO that was going to revolutionize the genre? And they, again, I don't know if it was a question of feature creep because they kept announcing features, but when you played the finished product, it had not many features. The game was called APB. Do you remember this? I remember a certain someone hyping it up and turned out to be total crap. I remember someone harassing the developers for beta keys. (laughs) (laughs) It it was definitely, uh, uh, I think I saw a documentary on this before. There's a YouTuber, I can't remember the name of it, but they did a lot of like why games, certain games fail. And it was because of the, the, creator of APB or the, the studio head essentially was just constantly obviously hyping up and ca- constantly changing he didn't have clear vision because what he did release that was brilliant I thought was Crackdown 1 they, they developed Crackdown 1 so they had income they had a, a user base they had people who loved the game so they had all the right stuff it's just the execution was clearly not there and I, I they went obviously out of business and got sold to Gamers First or something like that and then they re- released as a free to play game so uh, it's still going as far as I know I remember actually when they came out on E3 saying, oh, this is going to be released on the Xbox 360. And you're like, whoa. And then they also mentioned Huxley, which is also something that went into development hell because that was meant to be released on the 360. It got released on the PC. It was done by WebZen. It got released in Korea and they did some beta tests and then it got sold off to different publishers in America and Europe. And it never got properly released other than uh, beta over here. And, and the concept was interesting. It was based off um, Huxley's, uh, yeah, you know, the Adas, what's, what's his name? Can't think of his first name, Adas Huxley or something. But yeah, that's another one that kind of went into development hell as far as I know. So our conclusion here is every game you ever beta test goes into development hell. 
Yeah, I kind of so I I went to a phase in college and early work to where I just signed up for every beta I could, and when I got into them, because once you once you sign once you mass harass them, you know, once you get beta keys and it generally well, and you think about it, a lot of the MMOs are kind of failures. I did like beta keys are generally for MMOs and stuff, and you know, the, a lot of them are easy easy failures. Yeah, it was a very trying time for our family. We had to get Daniel to rehab to wean him off beta keys. It was <laughs> it was a tricky, tricky time. And on that happy note, thank you for joining us here today. We've gone off not on as many tangents as normal, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we try to mix it up. We've talked about you know robotics and you know how they're not really fit for purpose in the modern age and how they usually drive into walls. <laughs> and uh development hell you know where where egos take over development studios and boggles the mind so on that have you any thoughts for the week ahead lads i've got nothing i'm not doing anything exciting i i just want to sleep that i'm so such lack of sleep lately i just need like a good few hours sleep if anyone has any sleep to offer me please email me at virtually redundant at gmail.com <laughs> Nope, I've got no plans. I saw my Ant-Man the other week, and that's my plan for the year, you know, so. Okay, I'm not going to ask you about it now because I don't want to start another podcast, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course, of course. But no, no, no plans for the week. Work, get some nice sleep in, you know. Is, you know, this, this this is a very calm and relaxing podcast. This, this should be, you know, before we do yoga, you know, it's like breathe in, breathe out. Going to get some sleep for the week. So, on that, thank you everyone for joining us here today. If anyone did join us, we appreciate your listenership, as torturous as it may be. If you have any questions or comments, please send them into virtuallyredundant at gmail.com. We will be back next week with some more virtually redundant topics where Darren will be your host. Thank you for dropping in wherever you are. We wish you all the best for the week ahead. Friday, Friday. Gotta get uh, gotta no, get we didn't get the right yet. We didn't get the right yet. <laughs> <laughs>